This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. It's Monday night. The foliage in Georgia right now is immaculate. It's socially acceptable to drink hot chocolate again. I had some hot chocolate tonight. I love hot chocolate. I'm glad I'm able to do that without it being a weird, weird thing because I am one of those people that drinks hot chocolate at night in the summer still. Like I'll do that from time to time. It's it it's weird, I feel like, to do that, but I, I like hot things and hot coffee and hot tea and I don't know. I, everything is, it's good timing for hot things that i like like hot tea and everything else it's always it's always hot tea time hot coffee time everything so i love fall i love driving around in the fall and jordan diarman is here it's monday night so yeah she's here jordan diarman good evening how are you uh i'm wonderful there's nothing hotter than some college football and some jordan diarman on a monday i did you expect that cancel the call (laughs) i mean there's a big red button on the on the downside of the phone. I mean, you're welcome to press, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you actually. I, I like hot chocolate in the summer and I like hot coffee in the summer. People look at me like I'm strange, but it is what it is. You like what you like, you know, we've learned in the last like 15 minutes before we started recording a lot in common, Jordan, a lot, a lot in common. We do have a lot in common chase, but I think we always deep down knew that. Yeah, maybe that's part of the reason there was that rivalry going on, is that there was a lot of overlap. So the the stubbornness and all of it just kind of, it, it makes sense now. Now that we're it older, we can look back and reflect. It makes sense. That's what they always say, you know, when we were younger. It's just wait, you'll be able to reflect back on your high school times. You'll see who your true friends are, who you'll still talk to. And look at us, a decade down the road, and we're sitting here chatting about football. Yeah, so who crazy. would have guessed? Oh my god! Um, let's not talk about it being a decade since we were in high school. Let's like avoid that for as long as possible. We'll do that until the end of the segment, which we get to mention our alma mater, baby. Yeah, we 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 have to because they had a good one this weekend. But we will save that portion, the most uh, important portion of the podcast, the part view weekly update. But um, Jordan, I have to bring this up first: the Fresno State Car Family Bulldogs return to kick six against our beloved Hawaii Rainbow Warriors this weekend. They routed them. Colt uh-huh. McDonald is 1-3 in, yeah. in October. He missed yeah. a game. Um, they lost to Nevada, lost to BYU, lost to Fresno. It's uh, yeah. They got Utah State, who's like ranked 18th. And a really – the AP poll this week is very bizarre, just seeing some of the teams on there and some of the teams that are weird. No it. It's a very weird yeah. group. But yeah, uh, well, it's not looking good, and I'm very concerned about our Cole McDonald's. Um, yeah, that was actually one of the first things that I wrote down on my notes this week. I had wrote down, you know, Cole McDonald uh, did not impress me. It was probably his worst game of the entire season. 
And Hawaii just, it's, it's, they're falling off, Chase. Your Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, just not a good month of October. And that's really what I put right there. Bad month of October for Hawaii. Loss, loss, loss. And speaking of BYU, BYU lost to Northern Illinois 7-6. to So that's a team <laughs> that Hawaii lost to. Not good. Not good. But Fresno State leading the Mountain West right now. They look- Does that make Wisconsin worse than Northern Illinois? Oh, yeah. Think okay. about the drop-off of Wisconsin. Think about the, t- the teams that were ranked in the top 10 before the year started that are no longer there. Auburn, Miami, Washington, Wisconsin. All those teams are probably going to be outside of the top 25 by the end. Imagine watching Wisconsin versus Northwestern this weekend. Ooh, I just threw it from my mouth. It was it, like just going through that and Clayton Thorson just... the. Northwestern, so I think I was listening to the Solid Verbal talk about this this weekend. It's a really funny point because I agree. They don't have an identity on offense. You never know what you're going to get week to week. They just, I don't even know how you prepare for Clayton Thorson in this group because they threw all over Wisconsin and then other weeks it'll be just like 95 rushes up the middle and it'll just be ugly and awful. And I, I don't know who Northwestern is offensively. I just know their first in the Big Ten uh, West right now. So, yeah. great. Whatever. Well, I just want to bring up this statistic because it was really special to me because we all know my love for the Big Ten and especially my love for Ohio State. Um, but it's, I believe, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Their combined records in the last 13 games is 9-4. and four, And Northwestern is 12-1. and one. And there's two other teams that have a combined record of with two other losses. So basically, Northwestern is the best team in the Big Ten. They I mean, play really well against other Big Ten teams. I don't know if they bring teams down or they rise to the challenge. I don't know who Northwestern is. I just, I don't get it. I don't get the Northwestern Pat Fitzgerald magic. I, I don't understand any of it. I do know I don't like watching it. I don't like watching a backup Wisconsin quarterback play football. Definitely didn't like that. That wasn't fun. No, I mean, it's not, it's nothing that they do is sexy. And that's the way that they have been playing the entire year. I mean, the the losses that they suffered, I mean, they were collapses on their part. I mean, it's really painful to watch Northwestern, but isn't it more of a statement on the big 10? Here's the stats right in front of me, Michigan, Michigan state, Pitt state last 13 big 10 games, nine and four Ohio state Mm -hmm. and Wisconsin, 11 and two Northwestern 12 and one. I mean, People wonder why the Big Ten is left out of the conversation all the time. I mean, I'm still not a believer in Michigan. I mean, until they truly win a big test, I just, I'm not convinced. I mean, they lost to Notre Dame. And I'm, I mean, week to week, we say, should Notre Dame be in the top four? I mean, honestly. I think they should, but they they shouldn't, if that makes sense. I think you have to, if they go undefeated, you have to put them in no matter what. I think they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. I still don't necessarily believe that they're going to beat Syracuse on a neutral site and at USC. Clay Helton just took back his uh, offensive yeah, play team calling Yeah, T. Poor so, T. not great there. Um, but that's probably an uptick for USC down the stretch, Clay Helton calling plays again. So, and I mean, just it being at USC and a rivalry game and all that. I Syracuse is ranked for the first time in 17 years. They're good. They just blew out NC State, who... Um, 
just a few weeks ago we were talking about as a potential uh, party crasher in the college football well, playoff? Well, we thought, I mean, yeah. I, who would have thought that, you know, Trevor Lawrence would have just destroyed NC State like that. But, yeah, I mean, Syracuse got the win over them. But, again, I, I don't know who's good in college football anymore. I honestly don't, besides Alabama. I can tell you, there's only two good teams now. I think Alabama and Clemson. Good. Yeah, I think that's it. I think those are the only two yeah. good teams. And I hate, like, and that's one of sort of my that just happens. It's like another apology I have to give Clemson two weeks in a row. You know, I said, you know, the two weeks in a row, top two teams falling, not even close. They put up a record-breaking number at Doe Campbell Stadium and caused fans to leave the game and fans to break out books in the mm-hmm. middle of game. That was a professor who was trying to get a base was, gone I know. towards the end he of the can, year. First off, he went to the game with his 18-year-old daughter and, like, I would be so mad at my dad if he took off his shirt and went to the other side of the stadium. But at least he left her, so she wasn't in the shot, and she wasn't around for any of this. I didn't even know that part. I just knew that he was a professor that uh, got bored with the game and was like, you know what? I have a good book to read. The same author who wrote Gone Girl. So it was a good choice. It wasn't like he made a bad decision there. And I think I would rather watch... I think I would rather read that book than sit through any more of uh, Florida State um, get blown out by uh, Clemson. Because Clemson also could have ran up the score even more. They took out Trevor Lawrence... At one point, and Chase Bryce is like, <laughs> it's got to be weird to be a backup quarterback where, like, the, you get put in the game because the team wants to score less. Like, you're you're going in with the mindset that your coaches are like, we can put this guy in because we know the offense know. is going to sputter and not do anything. That's got to be a weird thing if you're a backup quarterback. That's my favorite just psychology kind of um, interesting nugget that I'd love to, like, pull backup quarterbacks who are like three and four stars or three and two stars whatever and be like what is it like going into a game knowing that the reason you're in the game is because a lot of the time the coaches actually don't want to score any points yeah i would be interested in their response to that but chase price has uh, he had his time to shine you Mm -hmm. know this season coming in so he got his five minutes of fame you know he's probably satisfied that's probably more than he ever thought he was going to get because at one point he was third you know third in line with Kelly do Bryant. Was, do you think it was smart for Willie Taggart to call out guys for quitting? Here's the thing. I think that there is people that obviously it's tough for a coach to create a culture first year in um, when you don't have the depth. I think in the recruiting, obviously Jimbo Fisher did, he did not recruit last year. I mean, him leaving to Texas A&M left that program. I mean, in shambles, in shambles. Um, at least on the recruiting trail. And so I don't blame Willie Taggart for taking that route because I think you're trying to spark something in your players. But at the same time, I think a lot of them could view it, especially in a situation where you're not winning football games, you're going to be more sensitive to to people making statements like this. And Mm -hmm. I think that more so, more of the locker room probably took it to heart in a negative way. People are, I think, overreacting to Florida State. I will say that. I think people are just like, oh, this Willie Taggart stuff, it's going to blow up. This isn't working, this, that, and the other. I'm not concerned yet. And I love uh, when I talked to the Minnesota beat writer um, a few weeks ago, we talked about this because PJ Fleck coined his first year at Minnesota year zero, which I really love because like it's like that. one of those um, stupid, like, I-, I can imagine like Elon Musk 
saying something like that or Jeff Bezos. Butch like, Jones. Yeah, somebody like that where it's <laughs> like, well, no, that's not how that works. But it's smart because it kind of uh, puts it in perspective for fans or kind of um, colors their lenses for what kind of abject failure your first year is going to be because you're changing everything. You have to get a feel for the guys you have, the guys you're getting, everything like that. So I get what he's saying with year zero where like you look at Scott Frost in Nebraska, you look at um, Chip Kelly at UCLA, you look at Kevin Sumlin at Arizona, but the difference between Taggart and those guys right now, I will say that might be the most concerning, even though I'm still not really concerned is Chip Kelly's making progress going towards the end of the season. Kevin Sumlin just blew out Oregon. You have Scott Frost, who's probably going to end up winning four games and figuring things out with Adrian Martinez. So those coaches are all trending up after the horrid start that they had. Willie Taggart seems like he's trending down. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if you want to go into the line because we saw what happened towards the end of last year for Florida State. And when um, the tall, skinny guy was in there and they were just so inept offensively and kind of looked like what uh, Louisville is this year with Petrino. And it doesn't look good and it kind of puts fans... Because that's what they're going to remember. It's recency bias where it doesn't matter what you did at the beginning of the season. It matters how you finish. Right. I'm concerned if you look at the Florida Florida State schedule down the stretch... I think they're losing the rest of their games. So that yeah, is my biggest concern is that their schedule is not it's not um it's not a good one for a team uh that just quit in one of their biggest games of the year. Right. I, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's not a good situation, you know. Along with Willie Taggart's comments, you had two FSU players being ejected for throwing punches. Right. You had sixteen penalties for 134 yards. That shows the, you know, undisciplined nature of your football team. I think I I just I feel bad for Willie Tiger because he really was put in a, a very bad situation. And I know one year of recruiting is going to put your program like this, but when you've got no depth at the offensive line and no depth, I mean apparently on the defense, like I, I you have a capable quarterback with DeAndre Francois. I'm just I don't get it. I mean FSU had seven three and outs. Mm-hmm. I mean he's getting just, pressure all the time. That offensive line it, is abysmal and i think that is one of the most overlooked things in a lot of scenarios where you can if a quarterback's really struggling like that you can look at okay how many times was he pressured what exactly is completion percentage when he's pressured is he a quarterback that can handle stuff like that is he not and he's one of those guys who can't and that matters and i still like deandre francois it's still kind of crazy to see or just to think about where he was going into last year where we were all yeah. like could he that height going because, into like, well, yeah before the Alabama game, yeah, right. That was like, oh, is this a college football playoff precursor? And then obviously things are very different. Uh, life comes at you fast, Jordan. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's gonna be interesting to see how it all unfolds. But I do feel for Willie Taggart because I think this is gonna get more frustrating, and I think fans are gonna be more and more pissed off because well, I don't see a win in the cards for the rest of their season. Yeah, it's not going to be pretty. And, and this is the first ever Clemson class to go 4-0 against FSU. And that just, I think that's another dagger in the heart of hmm. both fans and players. Yeah. So um, I think there's just a lot of problems going on down there. And I think it started with the way Jimbo Fisher left. Yeah. I, and it I doesn't mean, help that Jimbo is having immediate success at Texas A&M in year one. Or year zero, well, excuse me. Zero, zero. And also, mm. he's also getting a team that was your guy, Kevin Sumlin. So 
I think that maybe the talent over there, you know, I don't think you very... did. was that a was that a shot? Because no, I, I don't no, know I'm just saying you're, this, you're guy. you did text me this weekend. I did about <laughs> uh, my Kevin Sumlin appreciation finally paying off as yeah. the Arizona Wildcats and a healthy Cleo Tate uh, destroyed um, the Oregon destroyed. Ducks. The fraud, the fraudulent ducks. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I thought that when Oregon played Washington so close, I thought Oregon was a really good team. And what did I say, Jordan? What did I you, predict? The you called year? bullshit. Mm-hmm. You called bullshit. But I, I like, I like Justin Herbert. I, I like him. I do too. I think he's a big time thrower. But I do think it's interesting now because he's. If you look at any draft boards, he if he enters the draft right now um, or at this offseason, he would be the first quarterback taken. And really? I think, yeah, because this is a really weak class. And I didn't you think, think about Drew this Locke until I looked at or Will so, Greer. Will Greer's, I, I think it, the it, Pro Football Focus, I looked at it this morning. Their first round mock, their updated one for um, right now. A lot of edge rushers, a lot of interior defensive linemen. Um, so it's a lot of, it's a very defensive heavy first round for a lot of guys. There's a lot of defensive talent, a lot of Clemson guys, um, that offensive tackle from Alabama, Jonah Williams, uh, the Dexter Lawrence and all those guys. But, um, yeah, I think true lock, he is not won a, uh, I think he hasn't won a game against, uh, a ranked opponent or something it was something crazy he's he's unbelievably bad against power five competition like it's it's a really weird stat but missouri losing the way they did was like the oh my god um not great so yeah drew Locke is not someone who looks like he's gonna go in the first round anymore and the other guy is dwayne haskins if he jumps he's in the first round which I understand. He's a guy who kind of has that. He he's insanely accurate. He's good in the fourth quarter. He's been around for a while. I think I still believe him in, at the next level. But this is still a very weak quarterback class. Um, but it works because there are not many teams in the NFL that still need one. It's really the Giants, the Dolphins, what? and like the Jaguars. That's yeah, I was about it. to say. Yeah, the, where's the Jags on that list? They're they're there, Jordan. Um, (laughs) But the Jags is for another podcast. Um, Where was I going with this? There was a reason. Oh, Herbert. So I I do wonder if this slide is going to push him towards like maybe considering staying in Eugene one more year just because of the unfinished business aspect. And I think he's someone who would benefit from another year, kind of like I think Trubisky would have if he had stayed at UNC a little bit longer. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think Herbert could use one more because I think this Oregon team is going to be even better. He'll get Panay Sewell back next year. Um, he already has a great offensive tackle on the right-hand side. Like That offensive line with Mario Cristobal running things is only going to get better. And, I mean, he has good talent. He has Dylan Mitchell. He has guys. He has a running back combination that will be a year older. I just I think it makes more sense for him to come back because I do think Oregon was like a year ahead of schedule. They kind of feel like Texas to me where – I think people got a little too excited early on and like me. Yeah. And it's just, they're a year away. I think Texas is going to be really good next year. I think Oregon has a chance to be really good next year, but I just didn't believe in them yeah. this year. Well, I know who was good this past weekend and that was Khalil Tate. Finally got running a little bit. Definitely still not, you know, the old Khalil Tate, but I started to see what you were talking about. So, um, I don't know if, you know, do you think it's more just Kevin Sumlin sort of coming into his own over with this program, you know, just 
sticking to his guns and what he wants to do? Or is it a little bit of bending and breaking like what we've talked about this past couple of weeks of what maybe you have to do to get your offense going? Or and he has going. to figure out who the team is, and it takes a while. Like they experiment, yeah. and he has, and he's had to play a bunch of different quarterbacks, and he's had to deal with an injured Cleo Tate from the get go. He has to, um, he has Rhett Rodriguez, the son of the That's previous so coach. That's so awkward, right? Like I just think there are so many different variables in play, especially at Arizona. And I mean, they they had a really tough schedule. They have, um, I don't know, it was just kind of, um, a weird year. They run a weird defense. I I don't know. I think. Kevin Sumlin is just someone that can't have bad years. I just don't think it's in him. I think he's too good. Oh my God. You were doing so well. And then you said that Mm -hmm. he doesn't have down years. Uh, So what was your, (laughs) that just happened number one this weekend? Oh, well, obviously we got to start with the fact that UGA went into the world's largest outdoor cocktail party and just put a little whooping on those Gator boys. I don't think it was a whooping. I don't think that's a fair. It wasn't at all. I, I didn't take a stretch shower this week, but I might have had a couple of shots. People have coined it. It's one of those games where if you just look at the final, you assume the game went differently than it did because Fleet Bay Franks had some ill-advised turnovers that changed the game. Like they they lost the turnover battle. Fleet Bay Franks made some bad clay, plays. You got to see uh, Emery Jones, though. For a little bit, yes. he got to come in because with not a, not just... long enough though. But no. I I think you're. But here's my thing. Like you said, if if you were to watch, if you were to look at after the game, if you were to look at the score, it looks more of a blowout than it was. I mean, the fourth quarter was the difference in the ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fact that C.J. Henderson was injured, and basically, I I think they had a wide risk. I don't know. They had they had freshmen playing in that spot for C.J. Henderson when he went down, and Jake Fromm attacked them simply. Yeah, it was J.J. Holloman who had the touchdown yeah. on him, and they were targeting him. It's, a lot of it's just matchup-based, and yeah, the starting corner went out, and Georgia feasted on him with uh, Holloman, who seems like the highest upside receiver now on Georgia, he, right? Well, you know what's crazy is last year, he didn't even make the trip with the team. He watched it at home with his family. And, mm. you know, he's a five-star recruit coming in, obviously great player but the one thing that Kirby said after the game was this kid puts his head down he works hard he doesn't open his mouth he just works and you can tell that um in the way he plays I mean he goes after the ball and he'll it doesn't matter who he's lining up with on the other side I mean he's he is going to make you work to break up the pass and that's what you saw this weekend I mean some of those fades like behind I mean I they were impressive he was the most impressive I think offensive weapon that we saw this past weekend down in um, Jacksonville, for sure. I think it was bittersweet for Georgia fans, too, because Fromm was really, really good. You could make the case that was his best game of the year, maybe even of his Georgia career. He was just so efficient and made all the right throws. He was he was just good, and it kind of laid to rest any chance of Justin Fields taking that position anytime soon. So I'm I surprised he didn't even come Justin out. Fields at Athens. I, I think it's over. I think he's gone. No, no he's not. He is not gone. He's it's not gone. He's not gone. My thing. Done deal. I'm not even going to comment on that. But I will say that I felt like, I mean, David Pollock said it on game day, and I thought that I would have saw more of Justin Fields in the game, just regardless. You but just you didn't admit, have to, because Jake Fromm was so good. No. Like, he was really, no, he was, really good in this game. I was very but, impressed. Hi, but I think, and that's what, I mean, when they showed Justin Fields on the sideline, it wasn't ever like he was like down and out. He was always ready to go and he's not mm-hmm. like pouting on the sideline. 
He's not one of those players. He's in it for the competition. And not every player, to be perfectly honest, these kids, I mean, think about it, On at least on the defensive side of the ball. You have Rashawn Gary. You've got Ed Oliver sitting out games. You've got Nick Bosa not coming back. I mean, these kids don't want to play as many football games as what they're playing. So why right. not be patient? Justin Fields is gone. But uh, whatever. <laughs> Maybe to they're gonna get me they, could up. they could use a quarterback next year. Um, uh, but he'd have to set out a year, so we wouldn't see him for two anyway. But, uh, yeah, I think the Georgia-Florida game was good. I, I mean, I predicted Georgia to win. I wasn't concerned. I think Florida is still a year ahead of, sch- ahead of schedule. They're kind of in that Oregon-Texas zone, too, where they're a solid B+. They're just not in that A category yet that Georgia's in. And Georgia just withstood a lot of body blows from Florida. And Florida, to their credit, came back because that first quarter could have been a, an abject failure and dumpster fire for them with the way it started. And they didn't, they didn't get rattled. They stayed around mm-hmm. and Georgia did not take advantage of um, some great opportunities uh, specifically on the Florida. Oh, please, line. please. I knew you were going to bring it up. Oh my God. Was that so painful? That's what's concerning to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the, I would I would say it is the best backfield in college football, and you can't get it no, in from the one yard line. Not. Definitely not. They've literally got five running backs that could play in the NFL. I mean, that doesn't. I, I would not say it's the best backfield. Okay, in, uh, who who? Okay, well, who are you putting above? Who am I putting above? Let's see. Uh, Ohio State. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to see what else I can say to get you really riled up on this uh, portion. See, exactly. Look, you can't. I'm you thinking, can't. No, see? I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Hold on, Jordan. Okay, Jordan. well, think about Notre that. Dame think about is that. In there. Oh, is in there. Stop. Dexter Williams is good. Dexter I, Williams Puka is Williams great. At Kansas, can't roll him out. I said best backfield, meaning depth. No, I'm not talking depth. about. Star no, power. No, no, no. Who's getting the most carries? Who's averaging the most yards per carry? Oh, well, my guy. I forgot. Memphis. The answer is Memphis. I didn't Darryl say Henderson. the best running back in college. Here's the thing about Georgia. You're not going to have the numbers there because they share mm. the ball. They just they get in the end zone except when they're on the one-yard line. That's the only problem. <laughs> that is the only problem. It is a major problem, though. Um, this was but not what a good was... Jim Chaney game, right? I mean, uh, no. It was, it was better than what I think the LSU game calling was. Would you not agree? It was better, but there, like some of the stuff that they did, especially in the red zone and certain things, like the one thing he adjusted that was, um, it turns out this is an important thing for Georgia is when they run the football more with their guys. What? They, when no. they run more and they don't uh, forget about DeAndre Swift and uh, Elijah Holyfield and guys like that, um, it pays dividends for them early and often. So I think that was a, that was a nice thing, but yeah, I don't know. I think Georgia, they're not the team they were last year. I think Jake Fromm's really good. I think this offensive line's going to get better as the year goes on. Um, but I also think they're losing to Kentucky this weekend. But we'll get there. Uh, we'll get there. Okay. Um, why right. that just happened, number one. Iowa lost a very Iowa-friendly game to Penn State on the road. I don't know if you've seen just how that game went, Jordan, but Trace McSorley got hurt. They had yeah, it, um, this big, Tom- large, white immobile quarterback go in tommy sanders i want to say his name is tommy stevens he's a fan favorite chase right (laughs) (laughs) um he just uh, sure whatever he's like nick fitzgerald like who grew seven inches but trace mcsorley had this great run after getting hurt he had this moment with someone on the outside he got banged up he took a beating he's just like the ultimate like rocky figure for them and 
Rocky is also in my notes, but for another reason um, later in this podcast. But um, two punts over the head, like just weird special teams play. Like they started off up five nothing, and when you see Iowa's up five to nothing uh, against a good team, you're like, oh, <laughs> Iowa's going to win a very awful Iowa style game. They're just going to um, win thirteen to seven, and James Franklin's going to be on the hot seat. And this is like one of those ways Iowa wins that's just awful. And they had a guy who had a pick six on Trace McSorley late in the game in a comeback situation. Guess where (laughs) that Iowa um, defender came from? Pennsylvania. All he wanted to do was play at Penn State. They didn't want him to, they didn't want him there. So he went to Iowa and then he had a pick six. Uh, They had a touchdown where a backup punter threw a, (laughs) a fourth down conversion touchdown to a defensive tackle. And wait, a fourth down conversion. Wait, you had the backup punter throw right. a fourth down conversion pass to a defensive tackle? Right. Very, has very that, Iowa. Has very that ever happened in college football? I bet I would like to say that that's probably never happened. It was just all weird. And then Trace McSorley obviously brought him back and they, they withstood all the body blows from Iowa and they won the game. But this just, it, it was really weird just going through this game and thinking like everything, this was a recipe for disaster for Penn State. I think this is still a a bad win for them, I would say. But Trace McSorley, obviously, um, he's just easily, he's an easy guy to root for. So I, I like watching him play. He's He's not Baker but he's kind of the same kind of fun um, shot out of a cannon uh, freewheeling quarterback that you just enjoy watching on the college level where you're like, Oh, this cannot work at the NFL, but, um, <laughs> but this is in really Valley, entertaining. Yeah, sure. Like he, he's clutch. He's not phased by anything. Like you never know when he's going to do a QB keeper for 81 yards down the field. Like nothing Trace McSorley does make sense, but I, I enjoy it. So that, that was my, that just happened of Iowa losing a game that was made tailor made for an Iowa victory on the road. I know. I thought they were going to come back and do it, but it is what it is. I was disappointed in my Hawkeyes. All right. Number two for you. Well, we sort of talked about it already. I, you know, second week in a row that I just feel like I need to give Clemson an apology. You know, I counted them out once again. So I'm just going to stop counting Clemson out. We said in the very beginning, there's two teams in college football we know are good. Alabama, Clemson. Well, we got two of the four. So um, just a huge win um, over Florida State. I mean, just, I mean, 59 to 10, it was, it was very sad. Um, But they're a great football football team. I mean, bottom line but the one thing the one concern I have for Clemson is the run game and I'm not saying that ETN is not a great running back because he is but this is the second straight game that um, pretty much the run game sucked I mean he had only 45 yards you gotta have more than that you can't put it all on a freshman quarterback you see where that unless you're Alabama but you're not Alabama so um, that's the only concern I have for Clemson but just a uh, you know an apology that's all i wanted to give him so that's my that just happened okay um isn't it kind of weird to think about alabama we are going to be in november before they play a meaningful game it's it's sad right i mean it's like just, i just it's, i don't know if i if i'm an alabama fan do i enjoy these kind of seasons do i actually have you, fun I, I don't understand right? how you can enjoy this well they obviously don't because they don't go to the games you know mm. they even had to tell them to show up right 
yeah i just think it's weird that's like the difference between like um pro football and college football where teams like alabama like if you're a fan of the team you may only get to see two max fun games before the playoffs like maybe two maybe two that's just it's i mean because that's why i love college football is you know, you never know. Any at any given week, you could have an Old Dominion beating a Virginia Tech. Right. You know, and you other with Alabama, right? You have other. You don't have to just if your team is not playing anybody for a five week stretch. Like you're a Georgia fan, so you you're very familiar with teams. Um, like you you're very familiar with facing cupcakes and avoiding legitimate competition on a yearly basis. Like that is something very Athens. Right. So, you're mm-hmm. right. That's why we went to Notre Dame on the road last year. Yeah. Right. Irrelevant. Yeah. But for sure. um, yeah, just I think it's it's a weird thing to just go into weeks on end and be like, oh, another game where we're going to be favored by 25 and I'm going to spend three hours. Well, my Saturday. I mean, think this. about us talking about Alabama. I mean, it doesn't give us enjoyment talking about Alabama. I mean, what is there to yeah. talk about? Two is really great. And I don't even know the defensive players because there's so many on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I mean, granted, I do know their players, but I, it's just. You know, it's just a rotation. It's like these just five-star recruits. Just kind of, it's like a a breeding machine over there. And it's just not really – it's not fun to watch. I mean, it's fun to watch, I guess, if you like beatdowns every week where you get to see 70 points be put on the board, but that's just not fun football for me. So, My that just happened, number two. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, Jackets blew out Virginia Tech without completing a pass. That's got to be the most like demoralizing thing. I reading Bud Foster quotes after that game, just that doesn't happen to him. Like Virginia Tech's defense just doesn't get manhandled the way they did against a backup quarterback in Tobias Oliver. Yeah, mm. it's got to be the worst to lose those kind of games to teams like Georgia Tech. I, I think we have to move on from this. I can't take this anymore. But Tech thankfully plays North Carolina this weekend, and if a awful North Carolina team beats Georgia Tech, that's got to be it. Done deal. It's over. You're actually rooting for a Georgia Tech loss, are you not? Oh, 100%. I hate this <laughs> triple option stuff. I, I watched as much as I could, and I think if you don't complete a pass, you don't, you actually, it's a draw. Like, it's actually, we should actually make you it a draw. Should, you should, you have win. to forfeit. You have yes. to forfeit if you don't complete a pass. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. I mean, uh, how is that even? Well, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. But that's just, when we talk about ugly football. That's just not football I want to watch. And that's not football that your fans want to watch either. I mean, they just blew them out. Like, it was just, it was mean. Like, they just destroyed Virginia Tech like it was nothing. And well, I, here's I don't know. the thing. This I'm going to play. Weird this year. Well, I'm going to say this. When it comes to the triple option, teams, this is like what's so tough about the triple option is teams like that don't play a triple option every year are not preparing for this until the week before. Or maybe they'll play, like, you know, have a couple three plays every practice where they focus on the triple option, knowing they're going to face Georgia Tech down the road. It's really, I, I mean, I just, um, I don't know. I, I feel for the teams because it's really hard to defend when you're not seeing it every week, you know? Yeah. That just happened. Number three for you. Who was it? So my, that just happened. Number three was um, Notre Dame. Speaking of triple option beats the triple option of Navy 44, 22, Here's my thing. I am so over this whole undefeated Notre Dame being allowed in. Okay, I sure. But 
when we talk about the four best teams, do we want to have competition in the games or do we want a Michigan State blowout like we had a couple years ago? When you look at the four best teams in the country, Notre Dame is not one of them. They have they almost lost to what was it, Ball State? They mm-hmm. almost lost to Vanderbilt. They almost lost to give me another one. They had um, another close loss that was just oh Pitt, which Pitt's right. not a terrible team, but I mean, yes, a win's a win, and if you're undefeated, you're undefeated. But I'm just tired of lifting this Notre Dame team up. Um, granted, you know, they did get the win, but it's just they shuffled the O-line around and got their second-best rushing total of the season. That's something positive, I can say. Go Irish. Their defense is legit. I do like Ian Book. I think it. I would be a lot more upset about them in the playoff if it was Brandon Wimbush pulling these games out because I wouldn't want to watch this offense uh, <laughs> with Wimbush under center um, in the playoff, but at least Ian Book will make it interesting. But Dexter Williams is fun. They're getting healthier in the backfield. Like, I don't know. I, I think I, they're going to get do. blown out. It depends who they play. Because if they play Alabama, yes, I think they're getting steamrolled. If they play Clemson, probably getting steamrolled. If they play... Probably. probably. I see. If I think they play Oklahoma, steamrolled. I think if they play LSU, mm, it would be a close I would game against LSU. LSU. Yeah. I would pick I would pick them... Well, no, I would pick Joe Burrow over Notre Dame. Would you pick Notre Dame to beat Michigan again? Because I wouldn't, I don't think. No, yeah. no, I think, I think this Michigan, this Michigan team, team is, is better. better. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird because they did beat them. But, I mean, ultimately, Notre Dame, they're beating who they're supposed to beat. And there's value in taking care of your business. Like, they're winning every game they should be winning. They're undefeated. And if they go undefeated, they should be allowed in. They play right. an ACC I... schedule. <sighs> They, it's not their fault. A lot of their teams, they just, it's one of those things where we, we don't think about the added bonus of luck and but I, it's I not even the big the game all that kind of stuff, but they are lucky in that they've caught a down year of a USC team, a down Stanford team, a down ball state team, a down, like up and down the list of everybody they're playing this year is just seemingly down. So it works for them, but there's nothing they can do about that. It's not like, but it's not wrong. like, but here's the thing. It's not the big games I'm concerning because all the teams that they played at this point aren't even like ranked anymore. So I'm not right. even concerned about the big games. My concern is the fact that they lost almost lost to little schools, not little schools, but teams that you should not be within five to six to seven points within. Right. If you're going to be a top four college football playoff team. Now, I think that, um, you know, I think Ian Book is, he leads the nation in complete completion percentage. I'm not taking anything away from what Ian Book can do. I just don't think that they're a full team yet. And I don't, they're going to make the, the college football playoff top four tomorrow. But um, I just feel that's unfair. But, you know, I would UCF not worry yet also because would I'm say that. still, like I said at the top, I'm not convinced they're getting out of Syracuse and USC unscathed. Yeah, Syracuse is six and two right now, mm-hmm. and yeah, so they've got USC. What they've got FSU, which we know how that's probably going to turn out. I'm not USC. worried about Northwestern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I see. We'll talk the, about the one that. I've circled. See, we'll talk about our picks of the week coming up, but I think that Northwestern could, you know, the ugly okay. Pat Fitzgerald team. Right. And, yeah. Okay. 
no more Northwestern for at least five more minutes. Um, <laughs> my last that just happened, um, App State goes down to Georgia Southern. Yeah, and Chad what? Lunsford, very South Georgia name, Chad Lunsford. Um, big win for Georgia Georgia Southern. They're seven and one now. They uh, App State was ranked at the time, but the one thing that people aren't mentioning is that Zach Thomas threw one pass and got hurt, head injury, so he left the game. And that's a pretty big reason as to why they lost this game because their backup quarterback went like three for 12. And uh, speaking of quarterbacks and teams that win a lot of football games by completing one or fewer passes, Georgia Southern completed one pass in this game. No. And yes, they did. And they won handedly. (laughs) Well, I would... lineups every week you could win some money i did not win money this week because zach thomas was injured and i was very bummed by that because zach thomas we talked about him last week he's a great quarterback he's he's really good and i mean future georgia tech coach scott satterfield uh (laughs) satterfield satterfield i don't know you gotta pick your guy and stick with him chase we've got one in north texas we got one in georgia (laughs) southern or app state we've got you know just pick a school and we'll go with it Mm. we'll see um so I did some digging on Chad Lunsford. Where would you guess he went to college? I would say Alabama or um, no, Jacksonville State in Alabama. Georgia College and State University. No. Yes. How is that not the most random thing? Because they don't have a football team. So they don't like, even have a football qualified? team. He was an undergraduate assistant at the Georgia Military Academy while he was a student at in Milledgeville and he was uh he played football at some small schools county school in Georgia um in high school he's a linebacker and stuff but um he's had like every position on southern staff with like multiple coaches it's actually a really cool story because he seems like he is someone that fits a lot better than Tyson Summers and guys before him Brian Van Gorder and the random coaches who come in there and don't want to run the triple option and that kind of stuff but um it it's just feels right when they run the triple option and it's good and he makes sense there. But the thing that stood out to me, there's a Washington post piece on um, Mr. Lungsford. He has a habit. He's a big pro wrestling fan, which I'm already all in on this guy now, but he loves to smash chairs like metal chairs. And he goes into sorority row, Greek row, whatever um, to get people excited about going to the games and there are multiple videos of fraternity bros uh, elbowing, uh, dropping the elbow on some metal chairs with uh, no. the coach present in the room. So, yeah, chapter meetings are, are generally speaking, filled with um, pro wrestling style dynamics uh, in uh, in Statesboro. And the head coach is all on board. And I think I'm in favor of all of this. <laughs> I Googled this in the first article to come up the headline is no steel chair is safe when georgia southern's football coaches <laughs> revving up fans right oh my god i am going to read the heck out of this see you just provided me with my nugget of the week that needs to be a segment on here nugget of the week there you, you go you know see i'm, I'm always impressed. trying to help out georgia you I, you you just make me a better person every week thanks that's, chase thomas that's all i can do um Speaking of, though, it's not your nugget of the week, but who is your Jordan Jim of the week? 
Jordan Gym of the Week. Well, it would have to be somebody who had a big win, very heated win. Mike Gundy. Mm, it's a good pick. And not only did obviously Oklahoma State upset Texas, but his rant after the game <laughs> just raised the bar on what I thought Mike Gundy and who Mike Gundy was as a man. He's a man and he's mm-hmm. 40. All right. Well, he's 50 now. Well, he's Which, 50. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that that was like 10 years <laughs> he ago? Does not, well, he does not look 50. I'll tell you, he looks like. Jordan. He colors Late, his hair. He colors well, the mullet. I don't, I don't believe care. in the mullet. It, it gets darker was, every year. If I was He's a like Coach woman, K. I'm, pr- I'm convinced him and Coach K uh, use the same product. They have well, to be in, in cahoots. If I was a single woman. My gun. I day. would go. Yeah. Seriously. Give me the older man. Over Holgerson. Oh my gosh, he Mike Gundy, his mullet and the way he talks and just commands the room is just one of a kind. Mm. One of a kind. But so basically after the game, you know, Taylor Cornelius has been getting just a bunch of hate on Twitter. I mean, like mm. everybody knows how Twitter is. Everybody's got an opinion. Well, somebody asked Mike Gundy after the game, you know, what he thought about the criticism of Cornelius on Twitter, and he said, I gave a rat's ass about Twitter. It's a platform for people who are sitting at home drawing unemployment checks sitting in front of a keyboard. Right. That was like, he didn't need the last part where he, th- I, I was like, does he think that just the only people on Twitter are not working? Like, but, do you, but he you did phones, go on. You can walk down the street. You could be at work. <laughs> I'm convinced that there are a lot of people who are tweeting at work. I think that's probably the majority, actually. But he did go on to just say, you know, basically social media is destroying the country. And I think he was just basically saying, I, I, I think he knows the majority of people are normal, but the people mm-hmm. that are giving criticism and are those crazy you know, Twitter trolls are probably mm-hmm. people not. I'm, maybe I don't know about unemployment check, but they're definitely sitting at home. You know, in front of a keyboard, they're miserable people, so they're putting their miserableness on other people. I'm. It's. I would. I agree with his broader point, which is it's definitely like I don't know how you can make the case that it's good for the human psyche to be on Twitter every day and to be tweeting negative stuff all the time, and just if you're an athlete, like just being. Like on Twitter or social media is just a bad idea because you're going to when you have bad games and everything else, you're just you're going to be overloaded with notifications of like you suck, um, get off the field. Why are you with us? Transfer, whatever. And I understand. And I like that Gundy's sticking up for his guys and everything else. But Taylor Cornelius has been bad. And that it's a fair point to just like bring up like how big of a surprise this performance was from him because no one saw that coming. And um there was even a point in the game where sam ellinger uh mouthed on the sidelines we're winning this game and uh he almost i mean they came almost all the way back so um they he was almost right and then you had the closing uh segment (laughs) in this game where uh, the texas linebacker um blitzed a kneeling taylor cornelius on the last play as they were running out the clock and uh Mike Gundy ran on the field, and Tom Herman was not a fan of that, so he came after him. Who would you take in a fight, Tom Herman or Mike Gundy? I feel like I already know where your answer is here, but who would you take? I know I love my man, Mike Gundy, and obviously I've got um, a major crush on him, which is a little weird considering he's 30 years older than me or 20 years older or whatever. Age is just a number. But I'm going to have to go with Tom mm-hmm. Herman. Did you see the, like, I thought his, his neck was going to pop. He was so angry. Right. But that's, 
He's got the anger in him, but I think Gundy seems like one of those guys who has like one punch and it just stuns Herman and he just goes down and you're just completely perplexed as to how this happened. And um, because Herman has the size advantage and Gundy, he's I'm sure he's a jacked man, but no one can compare to his old offensive coordinator, Larry Fedora. I think he is my like go to. If I had to pick like any college football coach to win in a fight, or maybe Ordron. Ordron might be number one. I would probably go with Ordron over anybody. Actually, no, Derek Mason. Versus Fedora. Derek Mason. Fun. UFC. Let's do it. Oh, Derek Mason's a yeah. good one too. Yeah. yeah. See, we got we got our guys, but mm-hmm. I mean, Mike Gundy's face is too Not pretty, Brett anyways. No, Brad Dillema. No, he could win in like a <laughs> sumo wrestler type of like atmosphere. He could take you down exactly. that that way. Um, but my contrarian choice yeah. this week. Give it to me. Manny Diaz for Sportsman of the Year for putting up with Mark Rick and Thomas Brown's offense in 2018. <laughs> that defense is good. Miami had like a bad, they had a bad first half against Boston College. Okay. Boston College is sneaky good. And they didn't give up anything in the second half outside of a Malik Rozier turnover and then something else. So basically every point scored by Boston College in the second half was because of the Miami offense. Um, Miami's defense is a top 10 unit. Manny Diaz has been one of the better defensive coordinator hires, um, just coordinator hires in general in college football over the last couple of years. There's a lot of talent in that Miami defense. A lot of those guys are going to be in the NFL one day. And Malik Rozier and Nikosi Perry are not good. And something I was thinking about when I was watching bits and pieces of that Miami uh, Boston College game is that Miami's kind of like a dumb Kentucky team. That's what they kind of remind me of now, where the offense doesn't work and it shouldn't work with the personnel that they have, but the defense is solid. They know that their defense is their bread and butter. I see it. But Kentucky also knows that Terry Wilson can't throw, so they're not putting Terry Wilson in a position to make bad turnovers. They're like, you know what, Benny Snell, you're running the ball 75 well, times this week. Well, don't, don't short Terry no Wilson surprise. here. He went on that six-for-six six last-minute scoring drive, so... You know? Right. Well, I mean, the punt return <laughs> saved everything for Terry Wilson. But no, I feel you. Yeah, though. I just think that Kentucky knows who they are. Yeah, they know that their offense sucks. So they are they they just understand who their team identity is. And Miami with Mark Rick calling plays, who I, I it's not working out. So I wonder what kind of changes are going to be in store for this Miami team going into the offseason because this defense is too good. You have too good of a defensive coordinator. You have a lot of talent coming in. And they have really, really struggled. Stop me if you've heard this one. Mark Rick struggling against Power Five wow. competition. Wow, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Here's the thing, though. I think like a little bit like Texas, the whole Miami was back thing last year. I feel like because a lot of the other teams in the conference were down, it was a down year in the conference. I think the ten and zero start really put a false sense of what this program really where they were sitting at. Because I do, I right. believe that the defense is a very strong defense. I do believe that this defensive performance by Miami this week was the worst of the year. I will say that. But I also don't understand why Nikosi Perry did not start. He has 11 touchdowns over Malik Rogier's six to this point. Like I, and he had a rough game. I get it against FSU, mm-hmm. but he's also a freshman. So why not just stick with a guy and go like just back and forth? You're not going to get offensive production like this anyway, because Malik's thinking he's going to be taken out every second, which he should be. Right. Um, not a lot of confidence 
for both of those guys at this point. And you know what makes matters worse? What? Who had the gift of the week? An ex-Miami quarterback who will be starting for the Mountaineers next year once Will Greer moves on to the NFL. Mr. Allison, who we have not heard his name in a couple years. He was one of those guys who was battling out for the QB competition back in the Brad Kaya and Grozier years. You're right. He transferred, had a great touchdown throw against Baylor because Baylor blew out, uh, I mean, uh, West Virginia blew out Baylor on Thursday night in like seven minutes. But it gave Allison, Mr. Allison, some opportunity to get some get some run in Morgantown. And he threw a deep bomb and the camera zoomed in on him. He kept his arm out like he like kind of like Steph Curry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When he just kind of knows that he just hit a deep three. Yeah. Yeah. He did the quarterback equivalent <laughs> and then did this like facial wink thing. And um, it was it was phenomenal. And I just imagine Miami fans just being sick to their stomach <laughs> knowing that they uh, lost the best of that group and he's going to put up ridiculous numbers for Dana Holgerson well, and West Virginia. I'm excited to watch that kid. I mean, that's, that's, that's unfortunate for the state of Florida. I feel like they don't have a very good track record over the past couple of years of keeping the right quarterbacks at the school. It's been a, yeah. a shuffling of that system, but yeah, big win for West Virginia. The one thing that really stood out to me for that game was the West Virginia defense. Tony Gibson's defense. I just I was very impressed by what they were able to do. I feel like it was the most complete performance by West Virginia that they've had all year. So I would agree. I think this is a good lead into this week's games. Um, so we're gonna do what makes this interesting. So we're gonna have like one little thing for ten games each. There's probably gonna be some crossover. We didn't talk about which games we picked no, here. We do that. And... We want raw, natural conversation. Right. Number one for you, Jordan. What is your first game that you wanna you wanna mention well, that you think is interesting? It's been it's the biggest game of the entire college football season. Bama versus LSU in Death Valley. It's finally the night game we've been waiting for in Death Valley. It's the matchup of the century. So my one thing is the last time um, LSU won was back in 2011, and that was that nine to six game. So this is to be the biggest game in Tiger Stadium and they're the underdog in the past 20 years that's going to be the biggest underdog played game at Tiger Stadium in the last 20 years and so because of that I'm going to have to go with Bama (laughs) everybody should be rooting for Bama because if LSU wins this and Bama gets to go 11-1 and and miss the SEC title game again and then do exactly what they did last year Mm -hmm. and we get an LSU Bama team and Bama both in the playoff just awful no, nobody should be wanting LSU outside of LSU fans to win this game because nobody wants to see Joe Burrow in this offense uh, in the playoff against like Clemson. Or I mean, no thanks. Hard pass. I mean, I do. I do like Steve Insinger, the offensive coordinator for LSU. I like sure. the way that he calls plays, though. I think he's one of the most interesting play callers in college football. I will say that because he does a lot with nothing when it comes to quarterback because. I will say, I know I try to lift Joe Burrow up, but he is a game manager, and that is what he is. So, anyways, moving on. Georgia at Kentucky. I'm interested in UGA's run defense, which is not what it's been, especially in comparison to last year, versus Benny Snell. 
because I think we're all going to focus on Georgia's offensive line and their shuffling and injury issues and all that kind of stuff versus Josh Allen, who had two sacks and two forced fumbles. He's so uh, sick. This past week against Missouri. He, right. he's, a, like, he's now a top 10 pick in this next year's draft. For sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. For sure. He's, he's going to be a problem for Georgia, obviously. I know. I'm worried but about it. I am curious if Benny Snell is able to gash this Georgia run defense. And they're not going to throw. It's not like DeAndre Baker is going to have an effect in this game. Like they weren't even targeting him in the Florida game, but they're definitely not targeting him in this game. Georgia's secondary doesn't matter here. Like Terry Wilson and Mark, the Stoops game plan is going to be Benny Snell and seeing what they can do there and seeing if they can control the clock. It's going to be like a Georgia Tech Georgia game in Athens over the last four years where you're like, mm, oh, this shouldn't be happening. What's happening? This shouldn't be happening. <laughs> Please don't say and that. And this doesn't make any sense. And. That's how I feel about it. I think it's going to be interesting to see if Benny Snell can average enough yards per carry to keep Kentucky's offense on the field, keep Jake Fromm off the field, and just kind of kill them in time of possession. Because I think if they destroy Georgia in the time of possession battle, kind of like what Tech does and those other run-dominant teams do, I think Georgia's in real trouble. And it's going to be a crazy atmosphere in Lexington. This This reminds me kind of like when Kansas was number two in the nation and they were uh on the road against uh missouri um for that big number two number one battle 10 years ago with chase daniel versus uh Tom yeah. Reising. chase daniel bears back up that's quarterback rem- right <laughs> um that's just kind of what it reminds me of is well, this is just like the biggest game in kentucky football maybe history, well and that's what i was right? gonna like has there been a bigger well one? this is what i was gonna bring up this is my note of that game it's the biggest game in lexington i think ever the last the biggest game in the history of i think lexington would be 1951 bear bryant team all right they went 10 and 1 that season they upset um i think they upset somebody in the sugar bowl but they had a really big game in lexington that year that they went 10 and 1 um so i would like to say that that was probably the biggest time period who could forget the 1951 <laughs> kentucky wildcats but think about that the 55 was the last time like them and duke were ranked in the same ap pool. i mean think about that like that's more than 50 i mean that's a really long time i, I mean really kentucky football has never been this good besides i guess in the yeah. 50s but and then also think about this jake from has really not wanted true road game test against the top 15 team that's what makes me nervous Hmm. I mean, you should be nervous because Kentucky is winning this game, but uh, uh, you have a couple more days. I've got a couple. Well, I've got a couple more beers too. So, all right. What's your next one? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with West Virginia and Texas. Okay, they're on my list. Yeah. So I like that game a lot. Obviously, Texas is now out of the college football playoffs, um, and but I I do think that. This is obviously the winner confirms a spot in the Big 12 championship. And I think with the way mm-hmm. that West Virginia played, um, Will Greer put up over 300 yards. I just don't think that Texas has enough on the defensive side of the ball because that's where we saw, I think, the low point of Texas this past week against o- Oklahoma State. So, um, yeah. What makes this interesting for me, though, is I feel bad for West Virginia because I think this is very bad timing to play Texas, especially on the road. That was a brutal loss for Texas. They were riding high. Texas is back stuff. They have this great comeback and just fall short. Sam Ellinger is healthy. This defense is getting better. They have a really good safety. Um, I, I like Texas here. And I think 
it, it's just bad timing. I feel like Texas and Tom Herman's not going to go back-to-back losses, um, especially at home. I think this was at West Virginia. I would take them, but this has all the makings of West Virginia riding a high after their bye and then blowing out Baylor at home. They have a long layoff because it was a Thursday night game before they play at Austin. This has all the makings of a nightmare West Virginia game, and I think Texas is uh in good shape here so i think that's the most interesting thing for me is is just a bad timing do you do you think though Virginia. that greer because this was the game that greer broke his finger last year against texas hmm. so and i totally forgot about that and so i think maybe he comes back though and and he tries to make a statement you know because he didn't really have a chance mm-hmm. to play against texas but i just made a couple of more interesting notes i have i have a problem staying within guidelines go ahead Kansas State at TCU. One I'm sure you had on your list. Not on my list. Not on my list. So here's why it's interesting, Jordan. Who did TCU lose to last week? Mm, They've lost to a lot of people. I forget. TCU lost to somebody that was really bad. Wasn't it Baylor? No. Who was it? It was the Puka Williams-led Kansas Kansas. Yes. Yes. Wasn't that Kansas' third win, second win? I think something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, big win. Puka, yes. Go ahead. I'm all ears. Can you imagine a world where Gary Patterson's TCU Horn Frogs lose to the two Kansas football teams in back-to-back weeks? That's in play. This TCU team is one of the worst I've I can remember. It's amazing how bad this team is. Why do you think? It's amazing how different they are than they were against Ohio State. This is a garbage team, and it's a gap year. It's, um, as Dan Rubenstein, friend of the pod, says on the Sod Verbal, like, I don't think I'm in panic mode about Gary Patterson's future and coaching acumen based on this year, but I will say there is something insane about TCU losing back-to-back weeks to Kansas and this awful, awful, awful Kansas State Wildcat team. The last year of Bill Snyder at uh, K-State, like, it, it's unbelievable. But this has all the makings of an awful Kansas State win because do you know who Kansas State blew out? The Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Who didn't beat Texas. Nothing makes sense in the I Big told, 12, Jordan. Nothing makes sense in college football besides the two teams that we know, and that is Clemson right. and Alabama. So I'm just interested to see how this unfolds because if I see in the ticker I totally forgot Kansas about State that. 14, t- TCU 10 with, like, eight minutes to go in the fourth. I'm flipping over and just seeing TCU fans just absolutely lose, lose their it. minds at just like, how do you come back from that? Gary Patterson's got to retire. Sorry, man. Those are the rules. If you lose to this Kansas state team <laughs> and then Kansas the week before done deal. Goodbye. You're done. From that. You're done. Huh. I could, I could root for a Bill Snyder win. I go. love that little old man. Um, Next on your list, Jordan. Uh, well, it's going to be the upset of the week. Notre Dame at Northwestern. Why is it okay. important? The Wildcats have won mm-hmm. the last two meetings. When have they won the last two meetings? Mm-hmm. 95 and 14. They started the season 1 and 3. We all remember that. But they've mm-hmm. won the last four. So bring it on. Here's the problem with Northwestern uh, playing at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not a Big Ten team, and that's the only teams that Northwestern likes beating, unfortunately. And unless they can get Notre Dame to join the Big Ten before Saturday, I, uh, I'm not really concerned. I think Notre Dame rolls here, and I think they, they win 
comfortably-ish. We shall see. But it's on my list, and the thing I wanted to mention about this game that I think is interesting, which team can do a better job of making us hate watching them more? (laughs) I think Northwestern has that category pretty well um, solidified. Because it's going to suck to watch. Like This game's going to be awful. We know it's going to be awful. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like... Michigan State, Wisconsin, or something like that. Michigan State, Purdue. Michigan State versus really anybody. Um, speaking of, I've, I didn't even mention him, and he's not on my list this week. So Rocky Lombardi, the best oh, basketball I... name I've ever – football quarterback <laughs> I... name of all time. I don't know where this guy came from. He's a three-star, long blonde hair. Mm-hmm. I don't – it's an insane thing. He threw a great block um, to seal the game against Purdue at home this week. Um, just – an unbelievable name. I just felt like we had to mention Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> the fact that your parents would put both of those names in like your entire name is just, I would forever praise my parents. I mean, think about what your parents think about you as a person. You're going to be Rocky Lombardi. Imagine if he was little. <laughs> he was just like a, he, like imagine if he was just like really into, I don't know, chess, really good chess player. <laughs> you are not living be... up to your name, son. Exactly. Like you can't be a chess player with the name Rocky Lombardi. Like they made it so he had to play football and not even just play football had to be a jacked like guy who eats 9,000 peanut butter sandwiches on white bread with whole milk a day. Like that's the kind of quarterback he had to be. Well, he is, um, he's a special person. Shout out to Rocky Lombardi. Right. It, it turns out when Brian Lewerke is not playing quarterback for Michigan state, they're, a thousand times more watchable. So maybe keep that up. Don't put uh, Brian Lewerke back in back under center in East, Lan- in East Lansing, Mr. D'Antonio. Yeah. So next up, is it my turn or your turn? Is it? I, I don't know. Is it my turn? I think it's my turn. I think turn. it's your you turn. You just went Northwestern Notre Dame. I mean, I'll yeah, go like the next five if turn. you want me to. No, you can have your, no, you can have your time to, to start. Always rule breaking. Yeah. Um, another one that's definitely on your list, Cal at Washington State. No, actually, that is on my list. I, I, I you have, okay. you have turned me on to this Mike Leach Washington State team. I mean, not, not that you're like so, you know, high on them, but I, you've told me to like keep my eye on them over the past couple of podcasts, and I really like, I really like Washington State. Who you got? I am interested to see how they handle being in the driver's seat for the Pac-12. Like, they are now the favorites to win out the Pac-12. They have one loss. I don't think they're going to make a run and have a good enough resume to make the college football playoff. Gardner Minshew and his mustache, a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, I think it's a good story because people were counting them out after their DC left, and they brought in Tracy Clays, and they haven't missed a beat. Their defense is fine. Their offense is stable. They're good. They're just efficient, smart. They play. They're like the Houston Rockets of college football, where you're like, I don't think they're ever going to be like the best in the league, but there's just something about the way they play where you're like, you get how to play winning football right. in 2018. There's just something about them that they just they understand how to win a lot of games that they shouldn't with their talent that they have. And Cal, who did they slay this past weekend, Jordan? They had a really big win. They just beat Washington. And now they go to Wazoo. But they beat this Cal team. Another team doesn't make any sense. The underdogs are great in the Pac-12 right now. All the underdogs won this weekend except for one. Only one 
uh, favorite ended up winning their game, and it was Utah. You better believe so, it. The Utes, baby, Utes. I'm interested to see if Justin Wilcox pulls something out of his ass here. That's that's what I'm interested. Does Wazoo play down to their competition and have the most Mike Leach loss ever no, and mm-hmm. blow it against an awful offense and um, Bo Baldwin's awful offense with the Cal Golden Bears and just an awful home loss to after beating Oregon, beating all this, like they just beating Stanford. Yeah, they just, just beat Stanford. Everything's there. It's it's great, but I just I could see it. I could see an implosion no. and just an awful loss. Stop. Don't wish those so things upon Mike Leach and Gardner Minshew. I mean, Gardner deserves this. He's going to pull it out. He's leading the nation Next in passing yards per game. Right. That's Cole, that Cole McDonald is. I, I believe he'll he'll right the ship and he'll catch him because well, he was there. Well, they actually have to probably play offense for that to happen, but you know, or stay on the field <laughs> and get healthy. Get get well soon. Get Cole. well soon. Excellent. Um, next up on your list. Um, okay, let's go with. Have we even mentioned Penn State versus Michigan? It's on my list, but no, we have not. Well, um, basically, this is just what I'm going to say. Miles Sanders is no Saquon Barkley. That is just that is just what it is. Um, and so, with that being said, we talked about Trace McSorley earlier. He's not going to be an NFL type of player but he is fun to watch I don't think he's beating Michigan not that I'm saying that Michigan's a great team but um just a little side note I mean we mentioned it a little earlier too I just find it weird that Rashawn Gary maybe not weird but is this going to be a new trend where players just start to sit out like this with injuries I think it depends on their draft stock. I mean, Nick Bose is a totally different case because he wasn't going to be able to come back till the end of the year anyway and he's going to be probably the number one overall pick right this so i get it i think it just depends on where the player is um uh just how much risk it is like what their timetable there's so many different variables from player to player so i don't know i think it's always going to be a thing but i don't think it's going to be a huge thing and i think it will also depend on how the team season's going so i i don't know i think it it depends on it. It's a case by case kind of well basically miles sanders is no saquon so i'm going michigan and shea patterson and the defense. I mean, this you know what it reminds me of hmm. when Gurley left and Nick Chubb stepped in, where it's like you can recognize Nick Chubb's very good, but you can also just kind of the see Gurley's he's, greatness. He's just—he's not just a, an insanely talented, just freak of nature unicorn type guy, and that's what Saquon was. So you only get one of those every like thirty years. So Miles Sanders is still good. He's just not Saquon Barkley right. because there aren't many people are. Um, but yeah, no, they're on my list, but I also think this is something that is interesting to me is that this is Michigan's opportunity to make it, have their first big, big, big 10 statement win. Because I think, I mean, obviously I think Ohio state's big down the stretch, but this is a huge opportunity because this Penn state team is not good and they've struggled week after week. And I think they're, um, susceptible to a beatdown. And I think if Michigan really wants people to take them seriously with their one loss as a playoff contender, I think this is a great opportunity for them to have a blowout victory on the road. I think this would be the biggest win of Jim Harbaugh's career oh, for sure. thus far. Yeah. So I, I want to see them blow them out. That's what I'm interested in. I want to see this not be close. I want to see them step on James Franklin's Penn State Nittany Lions next. Uh, early step on. on their neck. I would love that. But also, I want them to prove me wrong. I don't think they're a top four team. I don't think they're really, you know, I, it's sort of like Clemson. I, I want to be 
I want you to prove to me that like you deserve to be there. And I just haven't really seen that from Michigan. I, I love their defense, but from a complete way that they play the game, I haven't really seen like that complete performance yet. So I, if they're able to blow them out, I think that that, like you said, that's going to be the biggest one to Jim Harbaugh's career for sure. USC at Oregon state is on my list. Jordan. Are you, have you started drinking? Have you popped open a course? No. I have not. I have my water though. <laughs> I do have my water. No, there's a reason for this mat. The, there's a method for my madness. Jordan. Please explain. USC just took play calling duties away from uh, T Martin, the best Tennessee quarterback of all time. Remember that poor guy. Um, Fired their offensive line coach. That's always a bad sign when the head coach takes play calling away from his coordinator. Like the season's clearly falling out of favor. They're like, they just lost to Arizona state. You never want to lose to Herm Edwards in late October. I never want to do that. Um, Oregon State came back and beat Colorado on the road, down 31-3 to this past weekend. Jonathan Smith, the ex-Washington OC, which is part of the reason that Washington's offense has just not really worked this year, is they lost their brilliant offensive mind to Oregon State. And Oregon State is suddenly feisty. Their quarterback came in, huge second half, brought him back. They are riding high from that huge come-from-behind win. If Clay Helton goes into Beavertown and loses in Corvallis, what a tough place to play. Corvallis, Oregon, the home of Jaquiz Rogers, Steven Jackson, Matt Moore, just all kinds of football legends. Derek Anderson, I want to say. Could be wrong there. Feels like an Oregon State quarterback. Don't think he might be. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? Sounds right to me right now. (laughs) We'll go with it. Um, I think if he loses this game, Helton's gone, right? This is a potential, like, you need to monitor this game because if there? Oregon State beats them... Two years? Who? Clay Helton? Well, I mean, as head coach, I think this is year three, right? Yeah, he's two been, or three. He's offensive coordinator you cannot that, fire so. him after year three. I think you have to. I think this is done. I think there's just too much talent for them not to produce better results. And I've said this for the last couple of weeks. Sully and I, on the Wednesday podcast, I made this prediction a couple weeks ago. You know the next coach of the USC Trojans is Jordan Jarman. Um, no, who is it? Mr. Jack Del Rio. Oh. USC alum, not doing anything, still lives in Southern California. Okay. Established I mean, name. He'll recruit. I just, I mean, okay. It's the Pete Carroll situation all over again. That's what's happening. Mark it down. It's Del Rio time in Southern California. Whenever I think of Del Rio, I think of Luke Del Rio and the mediocrity that he brought to mm. Florida. But and that's being nice. Is he still in college? <laughs> he no, he he's not. He actually has his pod. He has a podcast. That's what he does every week. Does he? Yeah, you should look at. He makes these like absurd statements. Like if it has to be mm. like clickbait. I mean, I'm not going to trash another person's podcast on another. So we're not podcast, getting him but... on the podcast. You do not want him. On no, I no, I I would be interested to know like behind the scenes story of like what went mm. on with like McElwain and everything. And like, was McElwain really you know naked really with podcast, that shark? Jordan? Huh? Who? Do you know which quarterback I would really want on this podcast? Uh, Cole McDonald. Cole McDonald, obviously David Carr. He's now in the analyst role at Fox. Yeah. Unbelievable. His energy and positivity and just 
Love that guy. All in on David Carr, the analyst. Does he have nine kids too? Uh, possibly. I don't know. Happily married, though, yeah. I think. Well, I'm happy for him. He can have as many children as he wants. He seems like a good dude. Yeah. That family seems like a good family. For sure. I don't know. It's been a rough year for his younger brother, crying because of other stuff. And um, Well, he's a raider for life, him. baby. He's a raider for life. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, no, David Carr. He's like the he's vaulted into my top five. I was listening to him on Dave Damashek's uh, football program. I have to check him out. Two weeks ago, I want to say Chase's Nuggets. He's so good. Chase is dropping those he's, Nuggets. Jordan, you will. You just he he commands the room. I don't know. He's just he's great. I, he's one of those guys that I feel like I, if I talked to for like twenty minutes, I would just be smiling the whole time. Like, love this guy. How is he not? Is he a motivational speaker? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I, I mean, I'm, he, I'm sold on people like that. You are who you hang out with. So if right. you listen to somebody that loves life and is energetic about what they're talking about, like what we are, you know, like how we provide people mm-hmm. this podcast, like we're so awesome and we're so happy. You know, that's what maybe he, he does for people. Right. Especially for me, because he's the exact opposite of me in so many different ways, <laughs> but I enjoy it. So it gives me energy listening to him. Um, but yeah. All right. Who's next for you? Okay, well, let's go with an SEC matchup. Um, I got to get to it. Apologies. Uh, Let's go with Missoula, Florida. The thing that stuck out to me, uh, yeah, it's a very ugly, ugly game. But Mm -hmm. I feel like Drew Locke will bounce back. And speaking of bouncing back, C.J. Henderson, the cornerback for Florida who was out versus Georgia, is going to be back. But Mizzou leads this series all-time 4-3. to and I feel like that is just a laughing statistic in the face of Florida fans. The fact that Mizzou has this series four to three. So I'm going to go with uh, Mizzou coming and Florida just basically giving up because a co- Freddie Swain, a wide receiver for Florida after the Georgia game, said that there was no effort in the locker room this week preparing for Georgia. So if you don't have any effort preparing for Georgia, how are you going to have effort preparing for Mizzou? So. To be fair, Kentucky didn't decide to start playing football until like two minutes left in the Missouri game, and they still won. So Florida, I think, can do the same thing and still come away with a victory, especially at home. Well, we'll see. I just, Maybe with one minute. They can try for one minute of 60, and I think they could still probably beat Mizzou at home. I just, yeah, no. Give me Florida in a blowout. I don't know. I just feel like that locker room has given up on itself. I don't think so. I think they're fine. It, Missouri is just what the doctor ordered. Just like last year when Missouri, um, Auburn was kind of – like pseudo struggling, and then Auburn went to Missouri and just blew the doors off of him. And Carryon Johnson just um, destroyed them. And well, everything else. Florida so, yeah. is not Auburn Chase. Florida will not be in the but SEC Florida is ranked, correct? Yes, they are ranked still, right? Drew Locke on the road against a ranked team. Uh, yeah, lock it up, Florida. But Missouri um, did play their best defense of their entire season. We'll say that right. Barry Odom's getting fired. So Mizzou, interesting uh, off-season job, I think. UCLA at Oregon is on my list. The Chip Kelly revenge game. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Why didn't I put that on my list? That's not even on my list. That's a good game. I'm interested. I'm very interested. Two wins. Oregon getting desperate. Can you imagine uh, just a more depressing month than to start off? Like, can Oregon find themselves into the playoff? And then... Ending it with Chip Kelly lost at home to Chip Kelly and an awful UCLA team. My concern is Dorian Thompson Robinson going to be back. You think? All right. Who needs that when you have eighth-year senior Wilton Spate? <laughs> I, uh, I Spate is great. Yeah, Spate was not really great. I I mean he was okay. 
I mean, to be the backup and to come in like that, but he was definitely no Dorian Thompson Robinson. So, but I'm all for Chip Kelly I, getting I mean, the win. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm 100 here for UCLA and Chip. I'm Kelly digging that game, Otson. Yeah. So, just another thing to watch out for: Chip Kelly revenge game. Um, next on your list, Texas A&M at Auburn. And Ugh, don't watch this game. Gonna go ahead and tell people. Do not spend one second of your Saturday watching Texas A&M and Auburn. It's going to be awful. Don't do it. If you dislike Auburn, then it may be fine. Because I think that Jimbo Fisher is going to go into Auburn and win. Because guess what? Road team in the series is 6-0 since A&M joined the SEC in 2012. So I'm going with the road team in this one. Just because statistics tell me so. So. Do you know why I might go with the road team here? Because... The road team's better than the home team. Simple. Auburn still sucks. Yeah. Like, beating Ole Miss is not, like, uh, Ole Miss is just, like, Jordan Tiamu, another guy who, when he's not playing Power 5 court, uh, defenses, he's really good. He puts up ridiculous numbers. He he really struggles against SEC defenses. Um, I, I don't believe in the... I, I'm, I'm not there. I think this Auburn offense is going to get stifled by this Texas A&M defense with Mike Elko. Um, they're going to be pissed off because they allowed uh, Nick Fitzgerald to throw for almost 300 yards against them a week ago, which still just unbelievable stat of the week is Nick Fitzgerald passed for almost 300 yards on Texas A&M. But I, uh, I still like Kellen Mond with this group, and I think he's going to score too much for Auburn to stay in there. Agreed. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm not interested at all, but I, I'm – I'm already mad about. I, I didn't want to talk about Auburn and Texas A&M. I, I don't want to watch it. I, I had to, Chase. I just had to. You're trying to great. ship Justin Fields off next season, so I'm bringing up Auburn every chance I get, buddy. Speaking of, he would look good in a number two. Ew, he would never do that to himself at Auburn. He would never do that to himself. Better chance of winning a title, though, right? Not with Gus Malzahn. Hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> God, that would be great. Justin Fields at Auburn. Let's get that started. Justin Fields, Justin Fields at, at Vandy. Can... Mm. That would be a sexy pick mm. right there. Great. Ugh. Can you imagine going from <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about going from Kyle Schumer to uh, Justin Fields? I mean, just you could not find two more uh, yeah. opposite polar opposites. Literally, a guy that. Right, you would think has no legs at all. His like nubs were cut off, and then Shermer can't move. He literally he's can't move. He's just... immobile. <laughs> no, he's immobile. Yeah, that's okay. We still love him. Um. Yeah. Uh, Houston at SMU is on my list. Okay, I like Houston. They... So SMU should have beaten Cincinnati at home mm-hmm. this past weekend. I, I don't know if you saw any of the craziness in that game, but SMU has a. They have some playmakers. They have guys in the edge. I like their quarterback. Um, he's sneaky fun. This team is not that bad. I think Sunny Dykes and Rhett Lashley have got SMU moving in the right direction. Stephen isn't terrible. But also, Derek King having an insane year for Houston. And you obviously know about Ed Oliver. I love Ed Houston Oliver. had a great win over USF. Major Applewhite follows me on Twitter. Shout out to my guy, Major. Um, I, I think this is just going to be interesting to see if Houston's defense can handle SMU's kind of sneaky, fun offense, and whether or not this is a huge trap game for them following a big win over USF. 
I'm I'm in for that game. I like watching Houston just in general. I feel like they're a fun team to watch, whether it's on their defensive side of the ball or them putting up their quarterback this past week. I think he put up like 500 yards. Yeah, Dear King's legit. He he's a lot of fun. Crazy good, crazy good. Spells his last name with the, or his uh, Eric with a Q though. That's a I think that's what put me over the top with him. The what? He spells it D. Oh yeah, the way yeah. E R I Q. Right. No. Well, I have a like I have an issue just mispronouncing Power anybody. Move, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you got to do what you got to do. It's like you know Rocky Lombardi. Make a statement. Nothing's ever topping. <laughs> I, I thought it was a typo when I first saw. No. It. Rock, and there's no way it's a real person. No, he's real. He's a real thing. There have been like thousands of kids across America who have created like an Amaya NCAA player. In NCAA like 05 um, when the path to um, going to college and that dynasty mode and everything else where they they created someone named Rocky Lombardi oh, it's happened. Are, like that's just something oh 100 yeah um, who's your last one I'm gonna go with Utah Arizona State okay um, obviously we know that I love my youths on this this podcast I, right. I love the youth so but I also love Herm Edwards. I've, I've found that I have a mm. fond love for Herm Edwards and Arizona State. But a tough spot here, then. Uh, yeah, this is a real tough game for me, but I just like the way that Utah's playing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like they are hard to stop right now in all aspects. I feel like their defense is coming on strong, and their offense knows how to put up points. So I'm going to go with Utah in this game. Yeah. I mean, Arizona State had their big one of the year. They beat USC. Herm Edwards is exceeding expectations, I think, in year one. And, yeah, I think that's a sneaky, interesting game. Manny Wilkins, you never know what you're getting out of him. And uh, the best player on the field will be in an Arizona State uniform, who will also be a first-round pick, Nikhil Harry. I need a... Very good on the outside. Very, very, very good. That's going to be some, some tape that I watched this week. I like to take somebody that you say that I'm not like that familiar with and, and just go and watch tape. Is that um, a normal thing that girls do? or that... I, uh, are, you, are you posing that question to me? Cause I'm, I, <laughs> You're not a girl, I, I but, you know, I mean, right. I just feel like, I don't know. Just make me feel better and tell me it is. That's all I'm asking okay. for. I'll text every girl I know <laughs> after this podcast and ask them if that's a normal thing. Um, yeah. No, Nikhil Harry. Look him up. And if uh, you're listening and you're not familiar with uh, Nikhil Harry, look him up. He's uh, he's very good. And when you target him, good things happen. Um, my last game. You're not going to believe this, Jordan. It's another uh, contrarian choice. Dun, 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 dun. Pittsburgh at Virginia. Oh, I could have seen you picking that game. It's not, a, it's not a bad game to pick. I like it. It's going to suck. Yeah, it's not going to be it's pretty. It's going to be ugly. Bronco Mendenhall. The Virginia is the only ranked team in the coastal division right now. So shout out to them and the job that Bronco Mendenhall's done there. Bryce Perkins is so much fun. Um, But this also has the makings of an awful pit win where they ruin someone's feel good story. They suck. Doesn't matter. And Pat Narduzzi goes into Charlottesville, one of the toughest places to play in college football, as you know, Jordan. Yeah, definitely. And makes it just, they muddy it up. And it's going to be like 13, 14, midway through the fourth. And you're going to be like, oh, God, are they going to do this to Virginia? This great story. Are they really going to do this to Virginia? Are we going to allow this to happen to Bryce Perkins and Bronco Mendenhall? And, you know, I just I think it's going to be an interesting game to watch because this has all the makings of that weird pit win. 
Is it an early game? I asked that because I feel like uh, it would just make for even. even I think it's where game day is. So sure. I think that's where Herbie and uh, Chris Fowler is going to be at seven o'clock is for Pitt at uh, Virginia. Interesting. The game of the week, in my opinion. I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to watch it. I don't know if it tops Chip Kelly at Oregon, but it's close. It's close. Right. It, it, it is close. Um, and then, I mean, Utah State at Hawaii. Who could uh, – it's not on my list, but, I mean, obviously you got to watch that. It's the only game on it, uh, midnight East Coast. Well, you know I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to have my Coors Light, yeah. my fake Coors Light. 18th ranked Utah State. They're not – All the makings of a great Well, Hawaii if you're going to take Utah State, you know where my allegiance lies, so. Utes, baby, yeah. Utes. The Utes are on fire. Is, is, sure. There you go. I <laughs> – Sure. Um, all right. I think that's it. And then we just have Jordan. Parby, they won. Speaking of on fire. They, right. Blew out Meta Creek. Suddenly decent Meta Creek. Yeah. I was like, I, you know, because I, I remember last week you had mentioned that Meta Creek was actually good. And I was like, what? And so I went back and looked at some of their scores just over some of the teams that I mean, like Shiloh and Central Gwinnett are just, well, and our favorite team, Discovery. I mean, who needs our high school Discovery? Mm. But they were beating people like 44 nothing, like 40, put like four, putting up 40 points. Meadow Creek back in the day could not even get a safety. I didn't think they could like feel it, like a team. No, I, they like, really it didn't. Just, it, it's really weird. Like, it's amazing how much just like so many years of just horrid play just cloud like it's just mind-blowing if you did not grow up around it it's just the idea of meadow creek being good at football is just this absurd like um little giants type deal where you're just like this this is this just blows the mind i i don't know how this it, it would be like rutgers but... being good now in the big Ten. right 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 I mean, I'm trying to think. I just feel like Meadow Creek was at, like, they were they were basically not even a team. Like, I feel like they did forfeit some games because they didn't have enough players. Uh, I don't know, but it was, and, it was bad. They have a huge stadium, home side, mm-hmm. where it just kept going up and up and up and up. Um, hopefully they fill that out because it was, like, weirdly cool. Just how it a lopsided yeah. the visitor side versus the home side yeah. of just how ridiculously big it was. I, yeah. well, I, I think it's super cool that they are, that they're, they're a re- completely rejuvenated program. I mean, they are a program and that's what you want to see. Yeah. 44. Well, of course they did. Cause they're Parkview baby. Big orange jungle. Undefeated. Nine it's and oh, nine and oh. Who do you think it's going to be? Already purchased her playoff tickets. I, like she's I, on. Like she's flying down. I am. for Lilburn Mania. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna paint up. I'm gonna yeah, show up. There you go. I'm, Never did the paint up stuff. Never understood it. I only did it. I think for the Brookwood game, or maybe no. Actually, I think. Remember what? Go ahead. People were doing that all senior year. There were people yeah. who did it every week, right? Yeah, they did do it. I couldn't. I couldn't because I played softball. So I. I wasn't cool enough to be able to do that, but you know, um, I just don't like pain on my body. It itches. Right. And it's not yeah, like it not itches and, and you're going to have major breakouts yeah. from pain. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Clogged pores. Mm. Just letting everybody know out there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Never had that really issue. No, I never really had an acne thing. Thankfully. I feel like the older I've gotten, actually the worse it's gotten for me. 
Really? Yeah. It's just life, baby. Hmm. Stress, growing up, trying to find your way in the world. You know? Your body reacts to that. This podcast. I mean, maybe this podcast will help, Jordan. I think it's it my therapy me, session. I'm literally sprawled out right yeah. now in my, like, with my chihuahuas in my bed, just talking about college football with a fake course light beside me. It's wonderful. That's how we'll talk. Uh, that's how we'll wrap up this podcast, Jordan, <laughs> is explain to the people who don't know much about your personal life, just shed a little bit of light on your current animal situation and what you decided to add to your Rolodex of. Uh, four-legged creatures in your apartment. yeah so basically i am an animal hoarder not really i love my animals i do have no you definitely are <laughs> an animal hoarder. i've got you don't get to downplay that i've got yeah. three chihuahuas that live with me in chicago in a two-bedroom apartment my parents have four chihuahuas back in georgia and this past week i take care of six stray cats and this past week a really mean person trashed their living situation and all the cats ran away so i've been trying to trap all the cats all week I successfully trapped one on Saturday in the middle of Georgia, Florida, or after Georgia, Florida. So you can imagine my stress level from that game. And then having a cat, I went and found a cat. She's 18 pounds. Brought her inside my apartment, so now I have a cat and three chihuahuas. You also bought uh, costumes for your dogs. Yeah. Yeah, I... Are they pro costume? Because I actually, the reason I bring that up, my dog is in a hoodie. Like he's, he gets cold. That is he's 15. so cute. We have matching hoodies a lot on the weekends. Case, I need great. that picture in my life. Like I really will frame it. Yeah, I've got, I've got plenty of costumes. I've got a devil costume. I've got a taco costume. I've got a lion costume. I've got a cactus costume. I've got Georgia jerseys. I've got Atlanta Falcons jerseys. We recently discarded of the Patriots bandana that we had because in high school mm. I was obsessed with Tom Brady merely because of his looks. Now I understand the true person that he is and I refuse to support it. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that got really serious really fast. Um <laughs> I was not expecting that. Like that sentence, I did not know where it was going. Um, Story of my life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Are you going? Are you, Are you doing anything crazy for Halloween? Uh, no. We talked about it earlier. I don't really go out. I don't like people that much. Right. So me mm-hmm. being in a big group of people, like dressed up in like really slutty costumes, is just you know not for me. Right. Yeah. Um. I don't think I'm going out either. I kind of I saw Halloween Friday night. It's the remake is great. I, not a remake, I guess. A I don't know what you call it because it's not a remake, but it's like building off only the original. It they pretend that the sequels did not happen. Um, so it's like a but yeah, like a, I, I know. What I you guess mean. it's a sequel. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's a sequel. It's a sequel that's like not mentioning the fact that there were previous sequels. A, I don't a know. re-sequel. It's very weird. Yeah, it, it, it's very strange, but uh, the canon universe of the Michael Myers stuff is, is strange, but um, very good. I would highly recommend it. Well, maybe I'll watch that on Halloween and uh, stay in because I love animals and I hate people. So, uh, just kidding. I might be doing Hocus Pocus. I feel like Hocus Pocus is the move. Yeah? Nothing tops it for me. Well, I love, love Hocus Pocus. Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, I've never seen it. Well, it's... You're un-American if you've never seen it, Chase. Oh, no, <laughs> it, it's not a podcast with Jordan DeArmond and Chase Thomas if Jordan doesn't get a you're not American slide in before the end well, of the episode. Come back to me and tell me that you have seen 
if I if I've watched plenty of tape on Cole McDonald and um, you know all the chase nuggets that you give me, the least that you could do is watch The Nightmare Before Christmas. I can't promise it. I'm not into like animated stuff. It's not really not, animated. It's, really it's one of the greatest Disney movies ever. I'm out. Not gonna happen. Zero chance I'm at. Like you're just being tough for I'm the podcast. Watching. You're gonna totally watch it and text no. me just like I watched I don't Arizona like and I texted you because I'm the bigger person. So right. you'll do it for oh, me. Are you guilt tripping me <laughs> into watching Nightmare Before Christmas? Ugh. So un-American. I don't want. Why do I have to watch that? Why can't I just watch like good? Because it's my movies? damn favorite movie. So watch it, podcast partner. Is it really? I love that favorite? movie. Well, I mean, it's probably like a top five movie for me. That's a stunner. I would never guess that you would love that kind of movie. <laughs> I love it. Big I Tim was, Burton fan, Jordan D'Arma. I was a creepy little girl, I guess, growing up. I loved that movie. It, it was that movie and Spice World. I would watch on repeat. Could not find two. <laughs> Uh, like just opposite ends of the world spice world and <laughs> jack skellington oh my god maybe that's the sequel they find a way to um meet up later in life beel juice maybe that could be something yeah. that could be uh, what if i did that instead like that seems no. like a good middle no ground, we're maybe. we're not meeting oh, middle okay. ground here no relationship just just do your part do your job <laughs> <laughs> i'll see what i can do jordan diarman always a pleasure thank you um, and we can find you on Twitter at Jordan Diarman, and we can listen to you on the radio where you work just overnight. You, um, who knows when people are going to be able to hear you? Yeah, on you, you, because, uh, you can find me at all, all hours on WBBM Chicago Radio. Just, just Google me. That's all you got to do. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.